Hey, everybody. Welcome to No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and if it's your first time dropping in, here's what we're trying to do here. We want to take our own personal stories and experiences, and we want to use those to guide those who are coming behind us, right? Because we all come up against these moments where we look around and we're like, how in the world did no one tell me this would happen? No one told me I might think this or feel this in this specific season, but I know other people have had to have been here before. We want to make sure that you know, yeah, we have been there and this is what we did. This is how we kept moving forward. And so for me right now in this season, if you want the honest truth right now, I've got one kid who literally just said to me that he doesn't deserve to be treated like this after I asked him to sit on the floor until I was done folding the laundry. And then the other is outside just dancing to kids bop in the backyard, all while I grab these few spare moments right here to record the intro between cleaning up from dinner and then getting them in showers. And this is what it looks like to be faithful with what's in your hands. Okay, this is what putting your best effort in and trusting God to fill the many, many gaps you leave behind looks like. Because there will be seasons you feel an urge to try something new, right? To do something that makes you feel a little uncomfortable and a whole lot nervous, but you're confident that God is nudging you toward it. And this conversation with my new friend with deep insights, Hannah Weedman, is rooted in living in the tension of, I really don't want to do this, and I know I'm supposed to do this. She's the founder of Everyday Heirloom, a jewelry business that's about a whole lot more than jewelry. She shares how she stumbled into starting a business and a family at the same time. She shares that she multiple times asked God, can you make this make sense? Right, where I'm at right now, doing what I'm pretty sure you want me to be doing, It just, it doesn't make sense. Help it to make sense. She'll talk about her just incredibly Hallmark-esque story of meeting and marrying her husband and how while she, she lacked the vision for what she was doing initially and the comfort for what God had asked for her to do, but how time in it molded a brand new perspective on the story he was crafting. So here's my conversation with Hannah waiting on a season to make sense. Time zone math will always elude me. This is like the second time this season, probably though, that either I or the guest have gotten very confused about what time it is. And are we, are we on the same time zone or no? (laughs) See, and I, I have to figure out like an app or something that has like an awesome time zone converter. Cause I honestly haven't found one mm-hmm. and I've used like, they're more or less confusing, like graphs I found on Google, but I have to be on zoom often with people who are in Tennessee. So yeah. I'm like, I should know this. You're two hours before me. Well, so what's really confusing about Tennessee though, too, is there's two time zones within Tennessee. So I'm oh. on Eastern and then okay. about before you get to right before you get to Nashville, it switches to central time. So okay, it's even worse. I mean, yeah. it's I see. I didn't even realize that. So now I, I'm like, okay, double confused. And, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm here to help you and bring clarity to your life, Hannah. And I think I just did. So <laughs> I think you did. Where do you all live? So we're, we're in, I say Denver. So we're like tucked up right against the foothills. Um, I'm born and raised in Colorado. And, and so it's like, I didn't go very far, but, um, so we're like South, Southwest of Denver. 
That's what yeah. I was going to ask if you were raised in Colorado or if you, because I hear of a lot yeah. of transplants to Colorado. I don't so, so much, many. I know. I never hear of someone that's like, no, I've always lived here. Yeah. And my husband too. So Jake was actually born in Texas. His dad was in the Air Force. And so he was there for like a few months, but he's known nothing else other than Colorado. Yeah. So, well, that's what I was going to ask is if you and Jake met in Colorado. So I, it's kind of a funny story, Kelly. I mean, I could kind of go back and give you some, some roots of how we first met. And this is hilarious because it's like people, people don't know really how we met. We actually grew up five minutes apart from each other, but never knew it. That and is so crazy. Isn't that wild? So it was funny because, um, well, we have a bit of an age difference. Jake's eight years older than I am. And so okay. eight years when you're growing up, you're just not doing the same life things. And so, um, it wasn't until I was in college and, um, I went to school in state. I just went up North, but, um, I kept hearing like, my parents were like, Oh, this guy named Jake, he was dating my sister, Callie. That's no. how I knew about Hannah. Yeah. This just took a turn and I'm so invested now. I mean, I was already interested, but now I'm like, what? I know people are like, wait a second. So we're forever indebted to my sister, but they were dating and Callie, it just wasn't obvious to everybody because Jake was like this clean cut, all American guy. And, um, my sister, I affectionately call her like my, my wild, crazy sister. Cause she had like blue hair tattoos, you know, piercings. And Jake was just not that way. And yeah. so the guys that she had usually brought home fit more of like the skater lifestyle. And when Jake came around, both my parents were like, who is this guy? Like, we love him. And, um, I kept hearing his name. Like my mom would say, Oh, well, Jake's coming over. I was like, who is this guy? And for my parents, especially my dad to have said anything like we should have Jake Weidman over for dinner. Mind you, I'm gone at school. I've never yeah. met him. I'm actually dating someone else at the time. And unbeknownst to me, my sister Grace, while they're like pseudo dating, it never got really serious, but she's very artistic. So they had that in common. And um, she was like, she had something that she was asking his, his advice on. And he, he, you know, he's dispensing this wisdom that he has. And she goes, man, you sound a lot like my sister and referring to me. And he goes, well, your sister sounds really wise. <laughs> And again, we'd never met at this point. And so, um, you know, their relationship kind of starts to dwindle at one point. And she goes, I guess they were at a coffee shop. And she goes, you know, you should really be dating my sister. And Jake was like, what? Kudos You're going to pass me her. off? <laughs> I mean. And, and it was funny because he goes, "You seriously, you're going to pass me off on your sister? And um, I don't know how the rest of that conversation went per se, but. We actually met, I was home on winter break and I'm still dating a, a guy in, you know, in school. And, um, he, we just start talking, he's there for grace and we start talking and we got a, like, we got along like a house on fire. I yeah. mean, I'd never quite had a connection like that. And we just got deep real fast. Is grace there and just like watching it happen? Or is she like, I'm going to yeah. leave you all to it and like go get something. <laughs> yeah, she was there, but she was kind of, so funny backstory. She was like very still into hung up on 
a man that she would later marry. So oh. it's funny how like the, these different relationship dynamics that were happening. Um, and so she was playing matchmaker without maybe really knowing how much she was actually doing that. Sure. Um, and it honestly, Callie was going like way over my head when we had a great connection. I thought, man, this, he really is like a really nice guy. Like he really knows what he's about. He's very invested in his faith. He's well-spoken and, um, but again, I wasn't like looking for anything. So yeah. I just thought like, what a great guy. That's so awesome. And that's then he nice. turned to me. Yeah, that's nice. He turns to me and he goes, so this guy that you're dating, what is like, why does he deserve you? And I was like, oh, Jake, <laughs> I, the audacity and I kind of love it. <laughs> yeah. And I couldn't answer his question, Callie. I yeah. was like, oh, but the amazing thing about Jake is he would ask me questions that helped me get to know myself. Mm -hmm. And that was for me, I was like, wow, I feel like I'm on this, like, people always tell you, like, you have to know yourself before you like find yourself in a relationship. There is some of that. I think you have to have like a really good self-awareness mm -hmm. about who you are and, and your call on you know, God's call on your life before you start investing maybe in someone else's life. But he asked questions in a way that I'm like, you know what? Like, I didn't realize I was a verbal processor until you started really asking me these questions. Yeah. Like, this is, this is amazing. So, um, kind of like fast forward the relationship I was in, like ended in, in university and, um, Jake was having a, um, gallery showing that my parents were like, you should come down. It's, you know, it's on a Friday night. And, um, I just got, gotten over this guy and pretty quickly, actually. <laughs> <laughs> he had just, and, broken, uh, we had just broken up the day before and I was like, okay, <laughs> what else is out there? Let's move on. <laughs> but again, my parents are like trying to play matchmaker sure. again. I, I feel a little bit out of the woods. Cause I'm like, Again, I just, I honestly wasn't looking for anything. I was actually in a, like a really beautiful romantic season with the Lord, where the Lord just had my heart. And I was yeah. like, I'm just not looking for anything. And I know that like this time right now, like I know God is preparing me to be a wife, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. And so um, I go to this gallery showing, you know, and, and there are hundreds of people there, Callie. And I was like, whoa, like. Who's this who guy? Is this? <laughs> who is this guy? I walk in in the back because I'm a little bit late. And I had this moment, Callie, where I was like, is this really happening? He like looks at me from on stage and I thought, well, he's just scanning the room. Like, you know, as one does like when they're on yeah. stage and then he stays there on me. And I was like, this, is he, is he looking at me? Fine. Come to find out he was. And I was like, it was this interesting moment yeah. we had across the span of like hundreds of people. And honestly, in that moment, I was like, wow, I just really respect him. Like mm -hmm. he, again, he knows what he's about. He can speak well. Like he obviously has a community around him. And so I was like, that's so like, I just really respect that. Again, didn't have any other feelings other than that. And he gets off of stage. Both my parents flank either side of me, Callie. I'm, I met Jake when I was 19, by the way. So I had just turned 19, which I look back and I'm like, so young, what a baby. <laughs> what a baby. <laughs> Um, but I had both, both my parents flank me on the other side and they're like, let's go talk to Jake. And I was like, can I maybe this do is this weird. on my Are own? Are you ushering me in that direction right now? What's <laughs> happening? Yeah. And so, um, we meet him and he's sweating so bad. I love like, that. And he's like, Hannah, it's the stage lights. I was like, I know, but he, <laughs> I'm sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> he was sweating so bad that he, and he, he said something to me. I was like, oh my gosh. He goes, you look so gorgeous. And I was a little flustered because yeah. I had my parents there and 
you know, I don't really know him all that well. And he goes, man, is it hot in here? And I was like, I'm, I'm good actually. And he's like, literally like there's strips of sweat. It's like, like rolling over down his, his face. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, you're like, Oh, sorry, buddy. Um, but he's like, I'm going to go have the team, like turn down the, turn up the AC or whatever. And so he like turns the corner. He's like crunching ice like crazy. And I'm like waiting, like, well, maybe he'll come back. And, you know, there's so many people there to see him. So I was like, well, maybe we won't see him again. And we waited quite a while. And again, I was like, that's all right. Maybe I'll connect with him later. So my dad goes and pulls out the car and my mom and I are walking to the car. And and honestly, Callie, it was one of these moments where it's like the Lord does this often enough where I shouldn't be surprised by it anymore. Mm-hmm but he used my own words coming out of my mouth to speak to me for the first time. And I'm like, I'm hearing them for the first time. And so I turn to my mom as I'm walking out to the car and I look at her, I'm like, I'm going to marry him. And she goes, Oh, you are like, as if I'm telling her something that she didn't know. (laughs) Like, of course you are. I've already proposed on your behalf. (laughs) He'll be out here shortly. (laughs) You're like, you don't know this yet. Yeah. So, but I'm like, I literally, cover my mouth with my hand. And I'm like, no, I, I have no idea what I just said. And so the story kind of unfolds from there. But honestly, Callie, it was one of those things where it's like, it took me a little bit by surprise because I just wasn't looking for it. Yeah. It just, let's see what we're in February now. I think by December, we can turn this into a Hallmark movie. I just think that it's, (laughs) I think in the timeline, we can turn it around quickly because that is the most like, it is like something I see play out on a on a mo- on a Netflix movie or on a as Hallmark long as Jake movie. is wearing flannel. If Jake's wearing flannel, Listen, and he's, he can come in know. with flannel and like an axe, and I think we'll cover all the bases for a Hallmark <laughs> movie. It'll be great. It'll be so great. I am curious though too. Does Jake? You know, when you said that he was asking you questions that really made you like process of who you mm. are. Does he do that just naturally? It's like who he is inside and out. I mean, his compassion is off the charts. Mm -hmm. So it's like funny, kind of like maybe an offshoot, but to help you answer your question, he like, he isn't formally trained in his artwork. So he never thought he'd be a professional artist. He actually went to school to be a psychologist because he was like, I love people. Like Mm -hmm. I love helping people through, through their problems or even through their joys. Mm -hmm. He can sit with you in deep, deep places where other people would find it really uncomfortable, but he's, he's really comfortable there. And those are the best people at building community are the ones that are, Mm. they're just really good at asking questions about other people and questions that aren't just vague because we've got, I think as a culture, we've got to the point where we really stay like shallow with our questions and, Mm. We're like, well, what's, where are you from? Oh, what's your job? How many kids do you have? Right. And we just leave it real shallow. But it's people like Jake who build the deep community who are like, yeah. no, I really want to, I want to know how you think. I want to know how you feel about certain things. I want to know where your heart is. Right. And that's such a, that's yeah. a hard thing to come by. Mm-hmm. So I think you're right. I think it's Psalm 49. It talks about deep calls into deep. Mm-hmm. And I think he leads so much with, you know, before the topic of like vulnerability was so hot, it was like he was, he was doing that was quietly already in there. his own life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And he, you know, he, he has so many emotions, but he's really comfortable with them. And I didn't have that growing yeah. up. And so it was like, when you talked about feelings, you're like, oh, like this is so you know, healthy, insightful. And he was like, 
one of the first people I knew that could navigate that really, really mm-hmm. well. But it's also what makes him a great communicator. Mm-hmm. And he was just like I said, he loves people. So it's, it wasn't just with me. It was with everybody. And obviously, when I walked into that gallery and there were so many people there to support him, I was like, here's a man who knows his community mm-hmm. really, really well. Mm-hmm. And so that to me was really attractive. And I thought, man, he just like he does people well. Yeah. Like, he does community well. Well, and even when you talk about the way he communicates with you, I know you've shared before about the letter writing, but I would love to Mm -hmm. hear kind of how the letter writing got started um, and how it continued to grow throughout your relationship. Yeah. So he was pretty brazen, right? When he asked that question, he goes, so what does this guy do to deserve you? It was kind of in that same trend, Callie, because um, we did write them back and forth and I would respond in kind. And I look back, Callie, and I laugh because it's like I'd rip them out of my college notebook, you know, with like all the rap chew on the side and you know, but my heart was earnest. And I was like, I just want to respond. And he said that that was his tell was that the fact that I even responded, he was like, was huge because he's like, I would write letters to girls who I thought were interested and they would send me a text back and they're like, thanks so much for the letter. And he's like, you don't get it. Uh, Oh, that's (laughs) such a good point. How quickly after the gallery did the letter writing and, and the progression of the relationship move from there? Yeah. So we met winter 2011. And so um, when we had that conversation, like at my parents' house, um, you know, he had actually written a letter to my mom and just he had really seen her in the season that he she was in. And she was going through her own things, but he really saw her and he was like, he wanted to call it out and say like, here's what I see in you. And I really respect you and I want to encourage you. And I was like, I remember, like, I saw what you wrote my mom. That is so special. I wish someone would do something like that for me. I honestly was not dropping hints. It sounds like maybe I was, but he, he took that as like, I'm going to write her a letter. Yeah. So I got a belated birthday letter with black paper and white ink. And there were like, it was symbolism all throughout it. But the reason why he chose the white ink on black paper, he was like, your heart is a, a light in the darkness. And here's mm. what I see in you. I mean, it was very much a prophetic letter. I had never listen, gotten anything like listen, that. Now I feel like he needs to write like uh, Hallmark cards. I mean, I just feel I like we're really missing an opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> he is like Callie. He's hard to describe because people are like, does he have a brother? Like, <laughs> where did he come from? I still don't know where he came from. He is like the answer to so many of my prayers. But I mean, he's he is a romantic to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. And you could like, kind of blame it on like romantic, you know, ideals. He did everything in wax seals. I remember seeing my name on an envelope for the first time that he had sent me. And I thought, who's writing me? This looks like a letter from like the 1800s, you know, like did someone time travel? And Mm -hmm. so the other teaching aspect to help explain Jake is, you know, he doesn't do just one thing well, but how I explain him is actually, there's few people that know about Bezalel in the Bible. Are you familiar? Uh Uh-uh. Okay, this is like, it's so fun for me because every time I ask, that's usually a response I get. People are like, oh, I've never heard. Um, So Bezalel, in chapter Exodus 31, it talks about Bezalel. He's actually commissioned by God to build and design the tabernacle. And so he's an artist and it actually lists all of his different mediums. And I was like, Jake, you knock all these off except tapestry. Please don't pick up tapestry. I was going to say, I bet he went out and started learning tapestry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Like he would. Um, But actually, the spirit gave me this word about Jake. 
um, right when we started dating. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was one of the clearest times that I've ever heard from the Lord. And he was like, go read Exodus 31. I was like, Callie, I'd never spent significant time in Exodus, let alone like a specific chapter. Yeah. But when I read it, and it starts off with Bezalel, and it says, Bezalel was an artist given the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he's the first person we know of in the Old Testament given the gift of the Holy Spirit, which just blows my mind because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, there's an innate value on the artist. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we've truly seen like what the arts are actually supposed to do, which is worship and bring glory to the Lord. Mm-hmm. I think we get glimpses of it. But Bezalel's described as a craftsman of all kinds, able to do everything and anything uh, commissioned to him. And so I get this word about Jake and mind you, it's still really early on in our relationship. And I was like, man, I have something to share with you. I just really feel like the Lord shared this with me. And I said, I just, I think you're a Bezalel for this generation. I think Mm -hmm. that's your call. And I wasn't sure how he was going to respond, but he starts crying. And I was like, oh no, did I say something wrong? He's like, Hannah, like God speaks to me in threes. You're the third person I've told me this. And I was like, are you serious? So his dad growing up had like prayed that he would be a Bezalel over his generation. And then uh, his roommate in college said, hey, I'm learning about a guy named Bezalel. I've never even heard of, but you're him. And so he was like, wow, that's like really powerful for me. So when I tell people like kind of like who Jake is, you know, it's kind of like I said, a teaching element Mm -hmm. and, you know, he's, he's my, my Jake of all trades, I guess. Look at you. (laughs) And that's the name of the movie. Hannah, we have just written it all right there. I think we did. I think think we did. So I hope that there's a producer somewhere listening to this and it's like, that's the story. We're taking it. Yeah, right. So you all marry and you're obviously both dreamers and you're all obviously Mm -hmm. both in tune with what the Holy Spirit's trying to teach you in each season. So I'm curious as you come together, right? And you both carry different dreams, different giftings, different abilities, how God started developing that in you all, but Mm -hmm. you were also able to dream and still hold on to your personal sense though, of creativity and wonder and what you you're interested in love to do. How did that kind of come together? Yeah. What a great question. So every day early, I always say like affectionately now it's the business I never wanted, but God knew I needed. And I was not signing up for a full-time job or even like a, you know, side hustle. And I, at the time I'm really pregnant. We had just moved into our studio home gallery. Um, and you know, we're moving a lot. I'm already working full-time for Jake and I do all the behind the scenes and, everything and anything you can imagine to keep him at the easel or the woodworking table, whatever it is that he's doing. And, um, he comes to me and he's like, you, you have gifts that I know you aren't using. Mm. And I was like, I am not interested in this right now. Like I am so full with baby and business. Like, I don't think I could do another thing. Well, like Mm. that good, good for you. Thanks. That's awesome. I love that you Um, see that. I don't want it. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's so nice. That's I'm really disinterested. I mean, I was like, Callie, I was pretty unkind about it, like Mm -hmm. very ungracious. I was like, absolutely not. And he was like, I really think you're supposed to start your own business. And I was like, kind of spewed my coffee across the room at that point because I'm tired, right? I'm seven months pregnant. I'm tired. I am growing a human being right now. (laughs) I can't do anything else. (laughs) And... I mean, there's some context to that where it's like, we were in a place where it's like, honestly, Callie, like we, 
when I tell you, like, we never thought we would be professional artists, it's mm-hmm. like the Lord has led us in such an unconventional way. And he's told us time and again, this will not look like anything you see in the world. You mm-hmm. cannot look to the right or to the left. It will not look. So anytime I've looked for worldly formulas of success, they've never panned out. And so I'm always like, I'd really like to have like a, a job security. And the Lord's like, I can't give that to yeah. you other than follow me. I'm like, oh. And so we had some like moments of like, is this going to work? Like, can, are we actually called to this? Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the context leading up to we just moved into our new house. And all of a sudden we're like, was this the wrong decision? Like, did we do this in faith or are we, are we stupid for mm-hmm. doing this? Like I had so many seeds of doubt. And then for Jake, you know, he's like the eternal optimist, like sees the world glass full. And, and then he's like, I think you need to start your own business. And I was like, if nothing else, like I'll let it, if, if I do this, if I will let it serve a purpose of like bringing in extra cash. Mm-hmm. I was like, great. We'll like liquidate, you know, college debt and I'll let it be a very practical thing. But as soon as it does that, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like I had no strings attached. And I made that very clear to the Lord. I was like, if it does something practical, great. But I'm not interested in anything else at this point. Yep. So <laughs> you're coming in with your own set of rules. <laughs> this is how this oh, is going to go. For sure. Yep. I mean, like to my own demise, truly. I was like deeply humbled. And I was like, Lord, if you really want me to do this, like you have to tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. And because I just was dry. I was like, again, I was tired. I was dry. I was not inspired. This was not my own idea. I would have never done it. Mm-hmm. And um, stepping out in faith, being like, okay, if this is of the Lord, I really had nothing to lose other than more hours of sleep, which I wasn't getting anyway. And I was like, I was like, fine, we'll, we'll do this. In three hours, I had the name and I started on Etsy. So I had my first mm-hmm. listing. And I thought, okay, we'll just, we're going to do this. We didn't even start out with jewelry. The funny thing about Everyday Heirloom was like, I started off with like old found home decor. And then it was three, four months later, I was like, why don't we put a necklace on there? Like a tiny disc, it has an initial, whatever. You can use your calligraphy and maybe like that'll be something that people are drawn to. We can just put a letter on a pendant. And she was like, okay. Well, it ended up being like necklaces were the only thing selling. And I thought, this is weird. And every month doubled. We were profitable from our first month. And honestly, I was still at this point where I was like, I'm ready to ditch it whenever it stops working. And maybe like, maybe I can get out of this sooner than I thought. Cause it's like profitable. Yeah. And to tell you the truth, I had very little, if no vision for everyday heirloom mm. until almost a year in. And God was like, this is actually like you stepped in and you had no vision for it, but I'm about to give it to you. And mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was like, taking more steps further into this business that I never really knew I I needed or wanted. But, you know, that was like in 2020, God made it very clear. And he was like, you're not making jewelry because Callie, I never, I never wanted to do jewelry. My heart is for writing. My background is in writing. You know, I was an English lit student, always felt like I was going to go get my master's. I wanted to teach old English, go to Oxford, be like C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and thought like, oh yeah, that's my, that's my jam. Yeah. And I was like, really, I was in it just to wear tweed. Like, let's be honest. I was like, I just want to wear the really, outfit. Really, I just needed a pipe and a really nice blazer. That's all I want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. Same reason why I wanted to be a newscaster. So <laughs> I just want to wear the outfit. It's true. And so 
I, the fact that it was jewelry, I had the hardest time with because I was like, gosh, I don't wear a lot of it. I feel yeah. like an imposter. Like here I am turning around and selling it. I was like, there has to be story attached to this. Otherwise I don't want to do it. Mm. And so I've shared time and again, like we don't just do jewelry for jewelry's sake. It is this idea of like what God told me in 2020. I want you to adorn women as my beloved, mm -hmm. remind them of whose they are. And I was in tears, Callie, because I was like, I can do that. Yeah. I can't do jewelry, but I can do that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we started doing more sculptural pieces where Jake is literally carving under a microscope, like these small designs that they end up being around the necks of God's beloved. And, mm -hmm. you know, it was kind of this interesting turn of not only are we hanging artwork on the walls of people's homes, but now we're hanging artworks around the necks and near the hearts of God's mm -hmm. beloved. And so that's when the business turned. And I was like, I care about this now, mm -hmm. right? Because it was like, if it was anything really trite, like jewelry, I was like, there are a million jewelry brands out there. Like, I do not care to do that. Mm -hmm. And I was really clear with the Lord. I was like, make this make sense because I don't want to do it. I and love that you did that, though, because I think so many of us don't step into what God's asking us to do because we just say, mm -hmm. there's so many other people already doing it. Why do I need to right. do it too? You right. know? And so that's why yeah. I, I love that you're saying I just kept doing it, though, because I knew that's what he was asking of me, even though I couldn't really understand the purpose of it yet. Right. Yeah. That was, and it was hard. Mm -hmm. I am a planner, sometimes to my own demise. Right. I love to plan things. I am a one on the Enneagram. Ones on paper are terrible people. Like they're just boring, you know, but they Doesn't make the world make go you round. feel awful. So, see, I'm a two <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to be that. I want to be a different, can I be a seven? They're fun. I don't right. <laughs> can I be the life of the party? Um, I want to know like what's coming. It makes me hard to travel with, Jake would say kindly, but I want to know what's the agenda. What's our schedule? It makes me a great admin, you yeah. know, like, but at the same time, when it comes to like stepping out in faith, I'm like, okay, God, but what does this actually look like? Mm -hmm. So this whole journey for me to not know what it is and what it looks like has been a huge exercise of do I actually trust God if mm -hmm. he asks me to do something even if I don't like it doesn't come naturally to me mm -hmm. I think so often we're like oh well trust your gut God's gonna tell you like the right thing and I'm like I can't even trust my own heart mm -hmm. in this because mm -hmm. my heart said no yeah. and so I'm almost like you know without planting like seeds of doubt too much, it was almost like, do I trust myself? Mm. Do I trust what I actually want for myself? Or do I actually trust what God has in store for me? Mm. So I'm still in the middle of that story, Callie. Yeah. Like I just, the Lord is not done. I mean, it'll be five years since we started EH. And so I feel like I'm just at the beginning stage of all of this. And that's what I think about are the the women maybe who are trying to do that obedience part, right? And like, gosh, I just mm -hmm. feel called to do this. And you saw fruits of the labor, even though you didn't have a vision for it, you still saw some yeah. fruits of it because it was growing right. and things were selling. And I'm wondering mm -hmm. what you would say to the one who the fruit hasn't come necessarily yet, but yeah. there's still this, but I still think this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm just not seeing the fruit yet. How, right. what, what would your words to them be when they're sitting in that mm. season? You know what? I have Galatians 6, 9, which to paraphrase, it's on my mirror in the kid's bathroom, but it's been there since Emma was born. And Galatians 6, 9 says, do not give up the good work, continue to sow for one day you will reap a harvest. And so it's like, I believe that in God's kindness, he gives us glimpses of fruit, but we won't experience the full harvest yet. You know, it's like, even I haven't experienced that yet. The harvest of what he's doing 
is going to be first in my heart before it's ever manifested in tangible means. It's like God knows that we need the things to live on. Like he knows what we need. But at the same time, I'm encouraged by the daily kindness of the Lord to be Mm -hmm. like, there's glimpses of fruit. But it, the harvest isn't yet, and it's actually not time for that yet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those where it's like, it will come, and the promise of that. And sometimes I confess to the Lord, like, this is hard. I want the harvest now. And the Lord's like, but you're sowing seeds for that. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that and knowing that that will make the harvest all the more sweet, I think helps it helps the day-to-day, right? Sure. Yeah. It just And that's all you need is for the day. I think sometimes we think, well, make me feel okay about this for the next week or the next month. And right. really, he's like, here's my fresh mercy for today. And that's what right. that's what you need for the next 24 hours. But you talk about how you, you all essentially started a business and a family at the same time, right? right. So it's like, we're going we're gonna <laughs> to do all the things at one time. And I think mm-hmm. many women can feel like you have to choose one or the other, right? Like, right. okay, I can either pursue a business or a calling or a passion, or I can be a mom and a wife. And I've had so many conversations even recently with 20 somethings who are, who are like, why do I feel like I have to do one or the other? How, how can it be Mm -hmm. both? So those are early days of motherhood and building everyday heirloom at the same time. In hindsight, when you look back on that, what are some moments that really shaped you the most? And and mm. what would your insight be to those who are maybe following the same path and asking that question yeah. of, I do feel called to be both, but I don't know how that plays out. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, for someone who's in the middle of it, I certainly don't have all the answers, but being five years in- We need you in- to have the answers, Hannah. We're all asking. <laughs> you have to have this figured out now, you know? Um it's, there is like this for the longest time, I would say it feels like a curse a little bit. And that's why I always ask the Lord, like, why, why do you have me doing both at the same time when both are excruciatingly difficult? Mm -hmm. Because to have a, a business is having a newborn. It's another kid. I mean, it requires all the same attention, you know, your physical body, your mind. I mean, everything goes into it. And I remember thinking like when we started Everyday Heirloom, remember I was seven months pregnant with Henry. Yeah. And so I remember thinking I'm I'm, birth- I'm giving birth to twins. Yeah. They just have very different needs. But through the night when I was nursing Henry, I was also nursing my business. Oh, I'd be yeah. on my phone figuring out how to do this. And so again, for like still being in the thick of it, it's one of those where I had to come to terms with like, again, the Lord told me like, this will not look like anything you've seen. This is going to look new. And I had a hard time with, there's a lot of freedom here because you, you, in in some regards, you're, you're, you know, creating your own schedule Mm -hmm. when you work for yourself, which for me was really intimidating. I think what makes me a great one is like, I show up on time, you know, like I'm, you tell me where to go. I'll be there, you know, when, but when you have to do it for yourself, it's a different element of discipline Mm -hmm. that I've had to really hone. And there's, there's work and, and mom boundaries, work and home boundaries that I think all of us after 2020, it's like Jake and I have always done this where we worked from home and we had to really hone in on, okay, when do we work and when, when are we home? Because work is, always available. The Mm -hmm. thing I've always told Jake, you know, it's like, he'll be, um, he'll come home, quote unquote, he'll come from home from his studio. I'm like, you are present, but unavailable. I know that Mm -hmm. you haven't fully unplugged. And so we kind of call each other out. We have permission to say, Hey, you're, you're unavailable right now. And it's hard because you have to make that split between, okay, when am I here and present with work? And then when am I here and present with my kids and giving us 
giving ourselves permission and one another permission is actually really powerful to be like, I can be fully here right now. Like I have full permission to do this thing. Mind you, some seasons where I know I've had to tell the Lord, I'm like, hey, you got to make this make sense. Like I I can't do it all. And I can't, I feel like I can't do it all well. For the longest time, I was like, I feel like too little butter spread over too much bread. I just, there's not enough to go around. Something has to give. And you start having moments where I was like, I feel like, like maybe this was a mistake. The business doesn't make sense. I, if it's going to draw me from being a mom and being a wife, like, I don't know how interested in it I am. And the Lord's like, great, now we can start. You know, if you feel like you can't do it, it's a great starting point. And honestly, it's come out of so much of my lack there's not one day where I felt like, oh man, I really, I really nailed this. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, I'm in a season of, I'm really familiar with my weaknesses and it's extremely uncomfortable because mm-hmm. you're met with limits so quickly. It's like you're, you're pulled in one direction with one kid and we have three babies now, you know, it's one of those where it's like three kids, two businesses. I feel like I have five kids in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And so it's, I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir, but you know, it's, it's, I think, yeah, I, I think I answered your question, but it's, it's a full plate, you know, and it takes other people to come in and do yeah. it well with you. I think it's a comfort though, even when you say preaching to the choir though, but it's a comforting to know, okay, other people feel this, like other mm-hmm. people feel like, okay, I'm, I'm confident that I'm doing what I'm called to be doing. Yeah. And I'm being obedient. I just thought it would be easier. You know, it's like, yeah. we thought that as soon as we said our yes, or did the thing we didn't really yeah. want to do. That all of a sudden God was going to be like, let me make this a smooth path. But I think we just forget we live in a fallen world where a smooth path does not exist. And and it makes me even as you talk about, I mean, you're both entrepreneurs, you're both, I mean, one of the biggest obstacles for me working at home has been, I could always be working. There's always something Mm -hmm. I could do. Oh, for sure. How Mm -hmm. do you lay down that pressure? I mean, is there anything Mm -hmm. that you practically do or conversations you have to have with yourself or maybe with Jake where you're like, Mm. I've got to set this down because I, especially Mm -hmm. as a one, like I can keep going until it's right. I can keep going until it looks the way I want it to look. How do you not carry the pressure of, Mm. oh, I'm missing an opportunity or I should be doing this to help grow this or uh, how do you, how do you set that down? Mm. Another awesome question. You know, it's funny because it's like you do it. Work is always accessible. And yet, you know, we always say like, we don't want this time to pass by with our kids. Mm -hmm. Knowing those first five years are so integral and knowing after that, it starts to flee even quicker. Mm -hmm. You know, it starts to like the time starts, feels like it dissipates. And we always talk like talk about time, like it's a thief, right? Oh man, there's just not enough time up. Mm -hmm. But at the same, like in the same moment, I think for the entrepreneur, the one that's at home with babies at their feet, it's one of those where it's like, I've had to deal so much with the tyranny of the urgent, right? Where you're Mm -hmm. like, okay, the first thing that's going to get my attention is whatever squeaky wheel, whether it's like a dirty diaper, my kid needs a snack. We have to go do preschool drop-off. Those are the things that are going to kind of command where I go and when. But, you know, there are seasons where it's like, I have been able to keep a schedule as far as, um, you know, I have X amount of time to do this well. And Mm -hmm. so I'm going to dedicate that time to it. But I think figuring out your best work hours, Mm -hmm. I've had to like a really hard look in the mirror. Sometimes I'm like, this is ugly. I don't like the way this, this looks, but I have to get really comfortable with, okay, my schedule's all over and I have to piece together time to actually make this work. Again, it goes back to, this is a season of, of 
being comfortable with my mm-hmm. weaknesses and saying, this isn't going to look or feel comfortable. And at the same time, Lord, use it. It's that messy middle that sometimes we hear mm-hmm. about. But what does it actually look like to live it well and, and make the most of it? I think we get these hyper-romantic ideals of like, oh my gosh, well, I get to work from home and mm-hmm. and I get to do this dream business. Very few people actually pull the hood up and see what the operations are day to day. They're not pretty, but they can be grace-filled, right? Mm-hmm. It's when you surrender that, you're like, this doesn't look like what I thought it would look like. And yet, I know that there's something here for me and knowing when I'm tired, it's time to call it quits. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we talked about like, God gives us what we need. It's like manna, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, what does that actually look like? And I've, you know, I've called it mama manna time and again of like, you know, you get what you need with your kids too, but it also, it's, it applies to your business. You know, in January, you wrote about the difference between being timely and trendy. And especially in the work that you all get to do, there is this pressure to be trendy, to be, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, it seems like everyone likes doing this. So I'll do, we'll do it too. How do you define the difference between the two? And how did you learn the difference? Yeah. So the idea of like timely versus trendy, I think it's so easy to, again, to look at the world and say like, ah, oh, that works. Like mm-hmm. that's a worldly formula of success. We know it works. Like, let's go that route. We'll just get a slice of that pie that's already baked. Like, but instead, I think the harder route is like, what if we were to do something that's actually born of the spirit and it's so timely, Mm -hmm. which encompasses timelessness. And in order to do that, you have to actually be a pioneer in what you're doing, right? You have to be the one that's almost like what we call the tastemaker in your industry because people don't know they want it until they see it. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, well, what if we could be around the curb and people don't actually know what they're looking for until they're like, I didn't know I needed that or I didn't know I wanted that. You know, and it's like we're we're dealing in the world of accessories. And, you know, if we want to have like general terms like that, like, you know, I tell people like, yeah, it's a jewelry brand. And they start having their own connotations or assumptions mm-hmm. about what you do. And then they see it. They're like, oh, this actually feels different. I'm like, I'm yeah. so relieved when people say that because it's, you know, it's, we want this idea of grabbing hold of heaven. What would it look like if we grabbed hold of heaven and made it a tangible, in scripture, we hear of Ebenezer's, mm-hmm. you know, that there were these tangible touchstones, milestones, essentially, to remember God's faithfulness. Well, what if we did that mm-hmm. in a form of like, and and daring to ask the question, like, what if what we put on actually had physically had spiritual impact, mm-hmm. right? Like, what if we could touch these truths? And we hear on all throughout scriptures, like, what if we put on Christ? What if we put on love? What if we, you know, there's all these indications of putting on. And it's like, well, let's do that physically mm-hmm. with tangible spiritual implications. And mm-hmm. so that that idea when I wrote about timely versus trendy, it was this confession of, I, I don't want to chase after trends. I, I'm more concerned with chasing after Jesus. And so it's, if this brand is actually going to be a reflection of the spirit, I, I can't look to the right or to the left. I can't look and see what's trendy. And even though that feels safe, C.S. Lewis wrote about, you know, the line of Judah of um, he's a very unsafe lion. You know, and it's like, mm-hmm. am I willing to go in that direction? And in that way, it doesn't feel like chasing the success of this brand. I always call it like my small but mighty brand depends on my my willingness to abide and wait because there's nothing about it that's ever been started off of my strength. Yes, the Lord uses my skill. He's actually growing a lot of it. But there's a lot of it where it's like I'm having to wait on the Lord mm-hmm. for the inspiration, mm-hmm. you know. 
as you all are, are building this, I mean, obviously, we've talked a lot about, you know, you're building the family, you're building the business. But how do you and Jake maintain a connection? Because all the urgent can also crowd out real connection, it can crowd out, right. you know, like really knowing each other and continuing to grow together. Is there anything that yeah. that you all do to kind of bring back some rhythm when you feel mm-hmm. kind of out of sync? Oh, for sure. So to share something that feels still really fresh, even going into this new year, I remember like having this moment with the Lord. I'm just, I was like, I feel like what you're about to do requires more than what we've been doing. Our old ways of operating were good and very intentional, but it actually has to be even more so. The stakes Mm -hmm. are higher. And it was almost this, like, you know, we get it in scripture again. It's this idea of new wine and old wineskins. I got this vision of, oh, we're entering new wineskins territory. And so we can't actually operate the same way we have been because, oh, oh yeah, we got comfortable. Oh, Hannah feels really safe in that comfort of knowing, like, oh, this is what we do. This is how we operate. So rhythms, you know, they'll change up a little bit. But things that we always go to are we have a Thursday date night you know, and, and it, it never is elaborate. You know, sometimes it's nice to get out of the house, but honestly, it's so simple. And it's one of those where it's after the kids go down, we make it a priority to get in bed by a certain time. Mm -hmm. And honestly, my favorite thing is you don't have to take me out anywhere. I just want to sit with you and can watch a movie and eat Mm -hmm. snacks. Like my favorite thing ever. If it involves (laughs) snacks, I'll be there every time. It doesn't matter what it is. (laughs) You're like snacks all the way. Yes. (laughs) And so things like that, but honestly, even the daily rhythms um, of Jake serves me coffee every day. Mm -hmm. And those are moments that, you know, they're seemingly missable, right? But at the same time, they are acts of service all throughout the day that do require even a small amount of sacrifice to say like, I took the time out. Here you go. Mm -hmm. Here's your cup of grace. Mm -hmm. And it's that kind of trade-off where it's like, even when things feel crazy, and they often do, I think the misconception that people have through social media, you know, everyone gets each other's lives through a straw and they think like, oh man, they must have it really figured out. And I'm sure people think that about us. They're like, oh my gosh, your love story is so sweet. Well, that's not to say we haven't gone through hard things. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that we don't fight where we need to fight for a marriage, right? It's Mm -hmm. like we have all these assumptions of, oh, it's all so fluffy and flowery and sweet and, you know, but that idea of rhythms and routines that keep us stable Mm -hmm. are are really the ones that I think we overlook so often. What can I do to make you feel loved today? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's going to be that thing of laying down my priorities to to do the thing that makes you feel loved. Even the concept of those missable moments, but taking what a shift can happen when you take the time Mm. to actually notice them, whether it's just bringing in a cup of coffee or your spouse emptying the dishwasher without having to ask them to do it. Or, you know, it's like these little things that actually over time that sound kind of boring and lame and they're not huge, but it's like, Oh, just, you see me like the fact that you just did that means that you see me and that carries so much weight with it. Um, When you you look back over these years that have been probably a whirlwind of, you know, meeting Jake and from 19 all the way to where you are now, are there just a couple moments, one, maybe two that you're like, gosh, that was a moment that I really wish someone would have told me about that, that, that Mm. someone would have prepared me for a little bit better before I found myself in the middle of it. Right. Um, you know, I think so often we tell each other our war stories Mm -hmm. of like, Oh, motherhood's really hard. Oh, prepare yourself for the first year of marriage. Like, you know, you're in the honeymoon phase now. 
you know, I wish what someone told me that like, I know now from experience being almost 10 years married, it's like, no one prepared me for like the joy mm-hmm. that lay ahead of me. You know, it's like a lot of people were eager to tell me what worked and what didn't work based on their scars, mm-hmm. which I think there is value from the right people. When it's shared in closeness and proximity of relationship and a relationship built on trust, when people tell you, here's my hard story, that I think is valuable. Mm -hmm. When we swap war stories, because it's almost, it verges on gossip a little bit, like gossiping about ourselves Mm -hmm. in a way where you're like, oh my gosh, you know, this is, this is my war story. Mm -hmm. And this is, you hear my battle scars. It's almost like, I wish someone was, you're about to enter into like the world's greatest upgrade of life Mm -hmm. and it's going to be so awesome will there be hardships oh yeah but it is it is an upgrade for Mm -hmm. sure Mm -hmm. so i think that's it It it's like the joy that really does come with deep fruit of surrender of like there's there's peace on the other side of deep surrender yeah i I have a couple of friends who have talked about it before and they were specifically talking about, about marriage but i think it can stretch to a lot of seasons of life but we always tend especially to the generation coming behind us and those younger than us talk about like you said the scars like oh this is so hard and you're this is uh-huh. going to be terrible and it's almost like we scare them into going into these new seasons but what if yeah. we flipped it and are like mm-hmm. exactly what you just said like there's so much joy here i mean there's so yeah. much joy to be found yeah. when you step into each of these new seasons it's just so yeah. valuable in shaping those who are coming behind us to make them mm-hmm. excited to step into seasons instead of yeah terrified of everything that could go wrong right right exactly um, well hannah we end every episode with just one question and some people love it and some people hate it so we're gonna find out how you feel about it it's <laughs> what are you so happy that someone did tell you about so this can be anything. It's just something that maybe you're super into. Maybe it was a piece of advice or honestly, maybe it's a Starbucks drink that you just really like, but what is something that you just are loving right now? Oh my gosh. You know, it's funny. I'm kind of torn between two things, but I'll choose. Um, there's, there's a stroller that is a car seat and a stroller in one and I'm here for it. It's called the Duna. I have heard so much about this piece of equipment and I can't understand why, why, why do we love it so much? I want to understand. Okay. So here's, here's my thing. I'm not one, at least I wasn't always one for convenience. I was like, I can, you know, I'm, I'm one of those, I'm brute strength. I can do this. I'll, I'll go and, you know, do all the things. But in recent years, I've learned, oh, I could probably order my groceries online. Oh, there's a stroller and a car seat in one. Oh, I can hire someone to scrub toilets for me. And now I'm like, I'm this total convert. Does it save me time? Oh, I'm in. I'm here for it. So the Duna was that. And Jake and I travel, I won't say a lot, but enough to make it feel like, oh, this is worth it because we travel with the baby. We don't necessarily travel with all sure. of the kids yet. But the baby but, always you know, has to go. Yep. <laughs> yes. And if she's still attached to mom. But Jake has like speaking engagements and, and things like that, that we, that we find ourselves on planes for. And so I was like, well, you know, if we had to check like a stroller and a car seat, come on, there's got to be something else. And sure enough, there was this mom, I saw her fold the wheels under this car seat and just put it in her car. And I thought, tell me everything I need to know. You obviously have a secret. Yep. So the Duna, the Duna stroller. And you know, part of me, Callie was like, okay, it's my third baby. Do I really need another baby accessory? Yes, you do. 
You need it. You do like. need it. I don't care because it, it, it tr- it's true that you get to an age where you're like, I just want convenience. I just want yeah. to know that this is going to make life easier. And so this is, I don't care what I have to pay for it. If it makes life easier, then it is worth every penny of it, especially when you oh have three gosh. kids. So oh, yeah. I get it. I just heard so much about it and I just needed someone to tell me why it was such a big deal because I just... I mean, it's not inexpensive. That's the thing. That's why I'm kind of like hesitant, but I'm like, it's worth every penny, especially if you're like in always, and out. This was our biggest thing when we first got married because I am, if it's not 50% off, I'm not going to buy it. I just, I want right. the deal at all times. And he always yep. has said to me, you get what you pay for. I don't know why this is such a hard concept for you to understand, but you get what buy you pay nice. for. Yes. Buy like, nice or buy twice. Buy, that yes. is our phrase in the Look Whiteman household. We need to, we nice need to sew that into a pillow and put it somewhere because <laughs> it is the truth. You know, it is the absolute <laughs> truth. But hey, Hannah, you're, I could just keep, I want to keep you on here forever. I don't want it to end, but if people mm. want to go and find you and find Jake and find Everyday Heirloom, tell them where they can find you and kind of what, I think you all have some big things coming up on the horizon if, yeah. I, if I saw that correctly. Yeah, yeah, some exciting things. So um, you can find me personally at Hannah Weidman on Instagram. And then there's um, Everyday Heirloom is going to be at Everyday Heirloom Co., and then everydayheirloomco.com. We have a new branch off the website that actually invites women into this mission of like, what does it actually look like to join Jake and Hannah and adorning God's beloved? Mm-hmm. And so there's, it It hasn't quite launched yet, but within the next two weeks, we'll have adornthebeloved.com that's going to actually help you equip you and your people to do this well, oh, not just Jake that. and I, because we just feel like this isn't ours alone. And then for Jake, it's he's Jake Weidman on Instagram, Facebook, and then he's jakeweidman.com. And yeah, he's going to be writing books here in the next couple of years. So we're excited about what God has for us there. Isn't that crazy how you were like, I'm a writer, this is what I do, and how it's kind of circled around to oh that gosh. over time yeah. that that God I don't make jewelry I write and it's he's like just give me a second just give it a second yes <laughs> I mean it gives me goosebumps and I could probably cry about it if we if we talked more about it but you're just like God you know what I need and I don't even know what I fully need mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. it's really sweet like a closing story of following with deep surrender we talked about like there is so much peace true peace that comes mm-hmm. from surrender and if anything from this story of growing everyday heirloom, it's like there is there is peace to be experienced, even when it doesn't make sense. Now that we're on this cusp of writing, you know, our agent was like, Hannah, like she looked at me in a way that she's like, you know, there's Hannah books, right? And I was like, what? You know, and I'm like, this is all I've ever wanted to do. When I was a kid, I was drawing pictures and writing my own children's books. And I thought, well, okay, maybe, maybe. And so there, there's exciting things ahead. So I always like to say like, this is just the beginning. Oh, I love it, Hannah, so much. Thank you so much for jumping on with us, even for just oh. a little while. It was just such a good time. Oh, you're the best. <laughs> I just honestly, it felt like deep calls unto deep and sitting with you here has been Well, this exactly is, that. that's why I need people like you in my life who don't let me just sit on the surface because I really like that surface, Hannah. I really like mm. it. <laughs> We'll, we'll pull you down every once in a while. I like it. I, you have the freedom. <laughs> I give you permission. Thanks so much, Taylor.